1: your championship. Listen to this crowd.
0: Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again and welcome to another episode of from the diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for another chat about the Braves and what's going on across Major League Baseball on the hot stove we got quite a few things to get into on today's show as Atlanta stayed busy and added another arm to the rotation. A familiar face, the former Braves farmhand, Charlie Morton, with a homecoming after quite a trek that took him all over the National and American League. And well, he's coming home some 13 years after making his major league debut for the Braves. He is set to join the rotation for 2021. And we'll talk about the Morton signing, how the Braves rotation lines up, what's going on with some of the other Braves moves, including the non-tender deadline, which passed this week that pesky question that we keep having to ask ourselves is there going to be a dh in the national league in 2021 or what are we keeping this universal dh thing we'll get into that as well and we'll talk about some moves that might be good for the braves bullpen all of that is ahead on today's show before we get started want to let you know you can find from the diamond on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and stitcher leave those ratings and reviews make sure you share it with a friend if you like what you hear i very much appreciate that on social media you can find from the diamond on twitter at from the diamond underscore i am on twitter as well at grant McCauley, g-r-a-n-t-m-c-a-u-l-e-y on instagram the show is at from the diamond with no underscore and i am at grant mccauley there as well and everything else including every episode of the show can be found at FromTheDiamond.com. so let's jump into things there's been a lot going on with the atlanta Braves since last time we spoke and i want to welcome gabe burns back into the show He, of course, writes for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, covers the Braves for the AJC, and you can find his work on Twitter at Gabe Burns AJC. Make sure you're following him there. Gabe, uh, appreciate you making the time. Hope you had some great holidays, some great holiday food, and, of course, the Braves remained busy, and we got a lot to talk about, but uh, welcome back to the show. How have things been, and what's been on your radar for the last couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Hope you and uh, all the listeners have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving, and, It was nice. I went down to uh, my hometown of Aldosta and visited with family and whatnot. So all of that was fun, and uh, just before it, the Braves made a pretty significant move to bolster their rotation, and we're going to talk about that today.
0: Yes, we are. (laughs) Let's not bury the lead there, because the Braves went into this offseason with a checklist that we've talked about, a shopping list, if you will, as we approach the holidays. And you knew Alex Anthopoulos was not going to just stop at bringing in Drew Smiley, who was a guy that maybe they're taking a chance on and hasn't reached his ceiling yet but the next domino to fall in this rotation was a guy who we are very well aware of what he can do what kind of ceiling he has and that of course is Charlie Morton 37 year old right-hander who became one of the better pitchers in baseball over the last three or four years after ending up with the Houston Astros and then going down to the Tampa Bay Rays and putting together a top three finish in the Cy Young in 2019 A little bit of an up-and-down 2020 for him, but I think that could be true of any of us and, of course, any athlete and anybody that's been trying to make it through this year. But I like the Charlie Morton signing. I'd I'd like to just kind of open it up with just your general impressions of adding Morton and and what this does to maybe put the final and the missing piece to the Braves rotation in place for 2021 on this one-year, $15 million deal.
1: Well, he's a guy a lot of us had circled yeah. Uh, who made sense, he kind of fit the Braves' formula at this point, the last three off-seasons. We've kind of seen how this team operates with one-year deals to really uh, supplement this core that they have in place. Yeah. And we knew that they needed rotation help. Obviously, it's it's mostly all we talked about this past season. <laughs> and for them to go out and add a guy like this who, you know, he's been around the block, obviously. He's been part of a lot of different teams, mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of different teammates. He's been with the Braves before. It was, a, it was a very long time ago, but still, the familiarity there, it's close to home for him. Uh, he and his family live in Bradenton, Florida, so that really made the Rays convenient. Mm-hmm. So it just really checked. The cool thing about this was it checked pretty much every box for both sides, so it really did feel like just a natural fit. Um, and for the Braves, you know that's again that's twenty six million that they've put into their rotation, both one year deals to keep their flexibility for next off season. And you feel pretty good about you know when Drew Smiley is probably your fifth guy, you're feeling pretty good about about how this group stacks up. So with Martin as well, it's worth mentioning, it has to be mentioned that he's a really good postseason pitcher, and yeah. he's a guy who's been there these last several years. He's proven that he actually, he steps up, his performance goes up in the postseason. And that's something this team obviously really needs as it's trying to get over that final hump, you know, that game seven hump there. So to add a guy like that, you know, you hopefully you have Mike Soroka back healthy. Yeah. You saw how yeah. Max Freed and Ian Anderson pitched in the postseason. I mean, you have to feel really good about how this is coming together.
0: I think you do. It's a really good-looking starting five. We'll talk about kind of the group and, and take that closer look at how this might stack up in just a moment. But just digging into the Charlie Morton signing, I think he hit the nail on the head. It really does check the boxes for both sides, what they're looking for. And it is just part of the strategy that Alex Anthopoulos has used when it comes to filling a need but not necessarily getting locked into four and five year deals and going out and handcuffing himself when it comes to future off seasons and needs that the Braves may have now I would love to see them at some point go out there and maybe sign that kind of premier free agent they need and to an extent they did that with Will Smith last off season to fill a need there as well the Charlie Morton signing I think it was exactly what the Braves needed just to supplement the group they had in place because you do have Max Freed building on what was a great 2019 for him where we thought hey this is the breakout season for Max Fried, and then to take it to the next level in 2020 then you got Mike Soroka Ian Anderson showed the Braves a ton when he was pressed into action because the Braves were quite frankly out of other options and they just went ahead and handed him the ball and he took it and ran with it for a while the Drew Smiley signing and then you've got some guys that in Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright, and perhaps others that could Fill in because the other thing that you brought up that I think we're very well aware of is even the best laid plans that you have for your rotation are subject to change because of injury and performance and attrition and whatever it may be. But you really got to like the way this group looks with Morton in the fold. And there are a couple red flags for him. You know, the velocity dip last year of a couple miles an hour, a stint on the IL for a shoulder injury. But to your point, by the time October rolled around, Charlie Morton looked pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, he did. And you're right about the red flags. Uh, you, you know, when we're when you're signing a guy that's 37 years old, um, I mean, naturally, you're taking on some risk there. And it, it is a one-year deal. So if this thing, unfortunately, goes the wrong way, you know, just like Cole Hamels, it right. doesn't damage the team long-term, right? Mm. You're hoping that's not the case. You know, the way Morton bounced back in October is really promising, but... I'm glad you mentioned that. You do have to mention that when you're signing a guy who's 37, Absolutely. there could be, there's definitely some risk to it. But the pitching depth is going to be big because assuming they get in 162 games this year, injuries happen. We've seen that. You're not going to have the same starting five the whole season. A guy like Smiley kind of has a history. Yeah. I mean, even last season he missed over a month. So that's a guy who, you know, you kind of have to prepare, might miss some time. And maybe some of these guys, you know, we expect greatness from those three, but yeah. Ian Anderson, this will be his first full season. So that maybe there's a chance that, you know, it sounds crazy, but maybe there's a chance he hits a little low and struggles just a little uh, during a stretch. I mean, that's always possible. It, it happens. We how long, Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't really happened much with Soroka, but we saw what happened with Freed and, you know, that it took him some time to establish himself to where he is. So not to put too much pressure on Ian Anderson here, but there is going to be a lot of pressure on him coming off of the season that he just yeah. had. So that rotation depth is good. You know, you hope that Kyle Wright builds off the end of the regular season success and that Marlins start that he had. You will see Bryce Wilson. Is he somebody who's going to build off the Dodgers start, or is that just kind of a flash? And you also have a Noah. So you have different guys who can kind of come in and make these starts, and who knows, they might add another – option who could cover some innings too so overall i I, yeah you're starting five when healthy i wouldn't say that there's five rotations better so you're in really good shape
0: i was going to ask you i mean when you start sizing up rotations in the national league at least on paper which is all we can do over the winter and plans can change and will change as things come up throughout spring training the regular season or what have you but to me this has got to be one of if not the best rotations in all of the national league at this point and make an argument it could certainly be a top five rotation across all of baseball just based on the experience factor the upside factor and the talent of some of the young arms and then if the braves do happen to strike gold on this drew smiley signing that could really put them over the top if everyone else is able to perform at or close to levels that we've seen from them in the past with freed and soroka of course having Mike back and healthy we can talk about in a moment uh, a little bit more about that because we got to see a little bit of that in action but adding the veteran uh, Charlie Morton with the postseason experience and with the you know the resume that he has and, and what he's done the last four years to really transform himself into one of the better pitchers in baseball that's exactly what the Braves were looking for I think
1: absolutely and there's a lot of different ways that this rotation could go Hopefully, Soroka is healthy early, and yeah. Freed continues to build off what he did. Same thing for Anderson, that Morton and Smiley can stay healthy. Smiley, you mentioned that about Smiley. It's really interesting. Again, I, I keep coming back to, you know, Alex Anthopoulos on the record stated that he compared them to Travis Darno and kept saying we can get a lot out of this guy.
0: Yeah,
1: that people really haven't seen before. So, uh, you know, if he's right. And he, he usually has been uh, since he's been in Atlanta. I mean, he's he's got a lot right, uh, especially just finding players and, and maximizing them. That mm-hmm. Certainly, I mean, th- this rotation's a lot to be one of the five best in baseball. And, I mean, at its best, it certainly could be the best in the National League.
0: And the Braves are going to need that because I think that the, a lot of their success is going to be built on that pitching staff and not as much dependent on what has been one of the better offenses in baseball the last couple of years – to do all of the heavy lifting that wasn't part of the plan in 2020 the Braves just had a lot of losses in the starting rotation health was not on the Braves' side and they had to overcome a lot of those hurdles and then even when it came down to the trade deadline they weren't able to get deals done they just didn't line up on things and at that time you you hear that and you can be disappointed and rightfully so if you're a fan that your club wasn't able to go out and address a major need but Atlanta was able to figure out a way to get itself from within especially with Ian Anderson talking about pressure to stabilize that unit just enough to get things trending in the right direction but when it came to the postseason I think we saw a ton of growth from Ian Anderson continuing what he was doing and the lights weren't too bright for him Kyle Wright's start against Miami was excellent uh, his start against the Dodgers certainly forgettable but you know, Wright seems to have the kind of mentality that you need to overcome that kind of outing it's a disappointment, but. It doesn't have to be one that defines him. And then, of course, Bryce Wilson surprised everyone. He might have surprised himself. I don't know. He'll probably never say that. But to go out there and pitch the game of your life against the team that goes on to win the World Series, that's a pretty good feather in the cap for Bryce Wilson, who a lot of people were looking at and saying, all right, well, w- what do you do with him? You know, what's his role? Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? Is he somebody we trade? Like, What exactly is he? That was a pretty nice performance for him to put himself on the radar and say, hey, don't forget about me either.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, two things with these signings is, one, I mean, Alex said it, and it's it's obvious, but these are made with October in mind, right? Yep. Yep. This team is at the point that you're operating not let's get into October, it's let's win in October. Mm -hmm. And that's a big step. And when you win two playoff series, that's the kind of mindset you build with your players, with your organization, with your fans. So I do this run. Again, we talked about it back then. But this run in October was big for them from that standpoint as well. So you have that, and you have it buys them another year as far as evaluating these young pitchers. And I know people are going like, how many years do they need? <laughs> right. But, but I mean, you're going to need the depth anyway. And maybe this is a situation that Kyle Wright, when he gets those opportunities. He shows that he's more like the pitcher we saw at the end of this season, not you know outside the Dodger start, but the pitcher we saw mostly at the end of this season. And he's a guy who you can kind of pencil into that next year's rotation, and you can spend Smiley's 11 million somewhere else. So yep. we're kind of seeing how they're doing things, it's just like with Donaldson and Riley. Um, this is, I mean, this plan is working. Only one team is going to win it at the end of the day. They haven't been that team yet. They're trying to get there. But as far as just overall team success, the plan is certainly working. And to, you know, be in this scenario where you add a postseason proven pitcher and another guy that Alex mentioned he feels like could start for this team in the postseason, he already feels comfortable with that, and Drew Smiley. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said when he was signed. So uh, definitely in depth matters, and just over the long haul, the, the health of the Braves organization, I, I think these two moves could prove pretty important.
0: Yeah, and I think the Braves needed another left-hander to go into the rotation with Max Freed because right. as much as you like the stuff factor from Charlie Morton, you know, being kind of at the at the head of that table along with, you know, Max Freed and, and Mike Soroka, you I mean, you have the depth and the talent there, however you want to line them up. And uh, whatever order they might end up getting lined up when you get into October, those are three horses you feel really, really good about. Ian Anderson, another right-hander, and then Smiley as being that kind of that second left-hander, I think that you're able to kind of get some different looks. And depending on how you want to stack them, maybe Smiley ends up being the four and Anderson ends up being the five. But depending on how the off days shake out and all that kind of thing, I mean, you can juggle some stuff around to either give guys extra rest, extra day, skip a turn in rotation, and be able to plug and play a little bit. And I think the Braves like that flexibility as well, just based on the talent that they have on hand and the guys that could step in if they need them to or just the challenge that the 162-game season will present for this starting five, more so than the 60-game season. And I think the Braves were challenged pretty thoroughly by the 60-game season when it came to overcoming some of the loss in personnel that they had. And one of those guys was Mike Soroka. I mean, the Braves lost him in his third start of the year. But great to see on his Instagram about two weeks ago, Mike Soroka throwing off flat ground. And we heard a little bit from Alex Anthopoulos, I believe, after the Smiley signing. It might have been the, the Morton signing. And somebody had asked, as one does, well, hey, how's Mike Soroka? What's the timetable on Mike Soroka? And Alex felt pretty good about it and said that the leg is coming along well and, and Mike's been doing a lot of work to keep his arm as fresh as he can. So great to see that in video form that Mike Soroka's out there over the surgery for the Achilles that he had. To see him able to get out there and, and do something like that this early in the offseason – that's a really promising sign as you come back to spring training and think about the potential and the ceiling of this rotation.
1: Oh yeah. seeing the way that fans reacted, you know, it says all you need to know about mm-hmm. Mike is a person and a player, uh, how excited everybody was to see him, you know, making progress and the team, the team feels optimistic. And I mean, look, they can afford to, you know, play it slow with him if they need to. The right. spring training rolls around. So it's, it's not a guarantee he'll be in the opening day rotation, but I'm sure that, that that's where Mike's mindset is, and 100%. and this team does have the have the luxury, you know, if they need to open open the season with you know a Kyle right in there instead, and and Soroka's taking a little extra time, that, that's not going to kill him either, so. Uh, it seems to be trending the right way and that's really all you can ask for right now
0: yeah it was great to see though I mean again as you pointed out you know not just Mike Soroka the pitcher but Mike Soroka the person and folks are really happy to see that he is literally back on his feet and throwing a baseball again especially just given the how tough it was to watch him go down with that kind of injury just knowing that man that's yeah, that's not the easiest road back. I mean, that was not a pulled hamstring. That was not straining an oblique. It was not, hey, well, I'll just rest up. I mean, this was a pretty tough blow for him. I mean, to lose Mike Soroka and overcome that and make it into the National League Championship Series, that showed a lot for what the Braves, you know, were challenged with, had to do. And you're always going to wonder, I think, and have it in the back of your mind if the Braves had a healthy Mike Soroka, what would that postseason have looked like? What would that NLCS have looked like? And uh, maybe we'll find the answer to that in 2021 i'm sure mike soroka would definitely like to be in the nlcs rotation helping the braves get to the world series get over that hump in 2021 so that's what's going on in the braves rotation quite a bit obviously charlie morton being added to the fray max freed mike soroka ian anderson and of course newcomer drew smiley some other guys some other options and we'll see how they're deployed in spring training and of course whatever minor league season is going to look like as well so other things going on with the Braves this week of course the non-tender deadline was on Wednesday so the Braves had a few decisions to make there and whether or not to offer contracts to some men on their 40-man roster or to let those guys go they were able to get deals done with Johan Camargo with Luke Jackson and with Grant Dayton but Atlanta made the decision not to tender a contract to slugging outfielder Adam Duvall which makes him a free agent and we'll get to what that means and, and what Adam Duvall's options are and what the Braves interest might be in a moment. But I think that this was a decision that was made based on the fact that arbitration wise, his projected salary, I think I saw in a couple of places was around $7 million and the Braves have some questions to figure out about the outfield and the slugger that they need in the middle of their order. Maybe a couple of bats that they'd like to have available to them in the middle of the order, but were you surprised by the Adam Duvall non-tender? I know that I was not expecting it. I wouldn't say shocked, but I was definitely surprised that the Braves decided that, hey, look, we're going to try to figure something else out, and we're just not going to go through the arbitration process here.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't shocked. I, when I was sitting down and kind of writing arbitration previews, I, I had mentioned it, that it was a possibility. I, I wouldn't have bet on it. Yeah, it took me a little bit by surprise. Mm-hmm. I did I knew it was a possibility, but I, I thought they would wind up keeping him. Right. You're right, MLB trade rumors had him. You know, depending on the formula that's going to be used in arbitration, he he was between like four point one and seven point one million. So, okay. you know, somewhere in that middle range there, the team obviously didn't want to do that. And you're right, there's some uncertainty in the outfield. They want to keep their options open. So hopefully they bring him back for those who don't know, he's a tremendous guy. Yes. A lot of people really like him and respect him in there. And, you know, I think he'll be a big addition for whoever gets him. He's a nice player to have on your roster. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll be interested in bringing him back, but there's just, there's moving parts right now, and they're trying to solve that. And it kind of starts with Marcelo Zuna or what they're going to do to replace him.
0: Yeah. And one of the other things to keep in mind about these, you know, non tender decisions or, or tendering players' contracts coming to these deals with, Camargo and, and Luke Jackson, Grant Dayton, guys like that is that those are non guaranteed deals. So the Braves can decide in spring training, all right, look, uh, we don't have a place for you, and they can get out of those deals for a fraction of what was announced for each one of them. Not that any of them were really breaking the bank or anything. I think that uh Luke Jackson was just under two million, Camargo was a little bit less than that, and Grant Dayton wasn't even a million dollar deal. But with Duvall, maybe they just didn't want to take that chance with what could have been up to a seven million dollar arbitration price if they decide to go another direction or aren't sure what direction they're going to go in the outfield yet that's a very expensive bench piece if you're going to be installing Marcelo Zuna as your middle of the order bat that's going to be in the DH spot all the time Duvall's a pretty good defender and seeing how the market lines up and seeing what becomes available keeping their options open is something that you really can't blame Alex Anthopoulos for but you also shouldn't close the door on the fact that Duvall and the Braves could come up with an arrangement that ends up working and he could be back and that could happen sooner than later or Adam can explore any of the other 29 teams and decide what the best deal for him is.
1: Exactly. So as you saw, a lot of players really wanted to avoid free agency. Right. I can't imagine it's very appealing if you're just a fringe guy right now. Even the top free agents, we don't know. So Mm. now pitchers are getting paid. Uh, we, we've we seen that, that some of these pitchers are getting paid on these one-year deals, not largely thanks to the Braves, but I think it would make sense to bring him back if you, you know, if you can bring Ozuna back as well. Yeah, It's really tough to judge this until we kind of see what the plan with DH is going to be, so if we're, you know, kind of even having a hard time spitballing about it on a podcast, imagine how front offices feel, you know, so right. it's definitely, it's a tough spot to be in, and you know, who knows if his earnings would have gotten to $7 million, but yeah. anywhere in between the breaks just decided against going that direction, and and no, I certainly wouldn't be surprised, uh, like you mentioned, if they wound up coming together and, and he was back.
0: I was going to save this for last, but since you brought it up, I'm going to go ahead and insert it in here, because I think this is a pretty good place to get to it, because you know, I think everybody would like to see Marcelo Zuna come back, or a lot of folks would like to see him come back and be that protection in the order for Freddie Freeman again, and one of the things that's tied to that is the designated hitter and we still don't know about that for the national league in 2021 we've heard some reports some rumblings oh well it's it's not happening everybody's operating like it's not going to happen i'm still of the opinion that i think it's likely but this is a decision that i feel like should have already been made between the two sides i tweeted about it earlier this week i saw buster only of espn tweeting a little bit more about it on thursday as well and I just had to kind of scratch my head and wonder again aloud, and I'll do it here on the podcast since wondering aloud is what we do. How do we not know if there's going to be a DH in the National League for 2021? Because that seems like an awfully important detail for free agent players and for clubs trying to build a roster and a lineup.
1: First of all, I agree. I think there will be a universal DH this season, but you're right. It's ridiculous. What are we, six weeks now into free agency, thereabouts, and – and there's no sign of when this could even come together. And I mean, it's it's really it's a failure on everybody's parts. Unfortunately, you know, free agent players are the ones getting screwed here. It's worse than before the trade deadline, you know, when teams weren't aware of plans and everything. But it's frustrating because this is kind of the state of baseball, right? All right. And, you know, with the CBA coming up, it's just everything is kind of a mess right now. And I I just it's very unfortunate that teams don't even know how they can construct their rosters at this point in December. Like, it's ridiculous. It's disappointing. Um, Hopefully they can come together on something ASAP. So, you know, we can kind of get moving with this offseason and teams can put their rosters together and we know what to expect. So, I mean, that's just thinking aloud with you that that's kind of my take on it.
0: As you look at Marcelo Zuna, as this has been well covered by anybody that's had the opportunity to watch the impact that he had on the Braves lineup, but also understanding his limitations in the field, if you're looking at him for a multi-year deal, which is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the last episode, I feel like you can't undersell how important the DH is for his overall value to the club. And I'm still kind of in the camp where I'm a little bit indifferent on if it comes down to bringing Marcelo Zuna back and getting that production and having to play him in left field a good amount of the time, I don't know that I'm ruling that out just by itself, like in a vacuum saying, well, I just don't want Marcelo Zuna if he can't only DH. But therein lies how a lot of teams like to build their roster and how the Braves had certainly built it out last year once they got the DH in place, which was not a given, when Marcelo Zuna signed, of course, that was not in place. It wasn't until we got the shortened season that the DH became something that eventually was the good spot for Marcelo Zuna to be, in addition to batting third in the order, on a regular basis. But for you, does that are the two things mutually exclusive? I mean, do you have to have the universal DH to have Marcelo Zuna on your team or, or vice versa? You don't want him if you can't DH him?
1: You know, I, I'm in your corner here. I understand where people are coming from and you know, it very well might be a deal breaker for the Braves. Mm -hmm. It's entirely possible, but I'm looking at it as if you really trust the player in person, and this is somebody that you want in your organization for let's just say four years. Right. Yeah. I can't go there because you know, it's inevitable. It's coming. Like it's going to happen, whether it happens this year or not, it will be happening in the future. So if I have to bite the bullet, and I'm playing Ozuna, obviously a large chunk of the time in left field. I mean, I'm willing to deal with it if I believe that you'll continue to get that production. Right. This year was absolutely preposterous, but if you trust the player to continue doing what you believe he can do, and if you believe if you're if this is just a guy that you want as a core piece of your team, then yes, I don't think. One year of playing him in left field, and you may. And again, I'm glad you brought it up because they signed him not knowing there was going to be a DH. And when the DH was first implemented, he was not he was not going to be there every day DH. So they were already willing to gamble on his defense. They saw it firsthand. If they're willing to do it again, I, it just shows that the trust and the faith and how much they love Ozuna. Mm-hmm. At this point, Ozuna seems to have his suitor list seems to be growing. Uh, we'll see if he winds up coming back, but to answer your question, no, I don't think that even if there wasn't a DH, I would certainly still be willing to just bring him back and, and roll the dice on his defense.
0: Yeah. And it's going to have some kind of uh, an effect on the number of interested clubs and clearly the, the kind of offers that he might be wading through. I mean, there may be some teams that are out there that are interested in Marcel Zuna and looking at him as kind of a short-term fit or other clubs are looking at him as a long-term fit. And as we laid out the last episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because we went more in depth about, you know, the selling points and some of the points that maybe you just have to consider because that's what you're getting if you buy Marcelo Zuna and how much that, you know, may cost and what effect that may have on the Braves spending, you know, year over year, especially when they're thinking about a Freddie Freeman extension and some other things that are in play here. There's no deadline on Freeman's extension, but as far as putting a club together to come to spring training in 2021 and compete, the Marcelo Zuna decision is one that's gonna to have to be made if you can't get him back, or if you decide that he's not the fit that you need going forward if there's not a DH. And really, I'll throw this scenario out there. say there's not a DH in 2021, but you're pretty confident the universal DH is going to be in play after the next CBA. Do you just go ahead and say, all right, well, maybe this is gonna be a little bit of a headache at times to, you know, have somebody out there that defensively is not exactly what we'd want, it's not ideal but we know that long term if you sign him to a 4 or 5 year contract he'll be able to get slotted back in that DH spot but again it's it's all conjecture because we just don't know because this hasn't been decided yet either in the short term or the long term
1: yeah and look if you like the player if you really believe in the player and you feel like you're signing him to you know the right value which we all know is you know how Alex thinks with this kind of stuff if if you believe that and you know you have to just deal with it for a year um i wouldn't lose a core piece of of my lineup and a guy who would have gotten a lot more mvp attention if it wasn't for his teammate Mm -hmm. who wanted uh i mean he deserves to be paid and i'm not letting him go over potentially one year of having to play him in the outfield but again if that winds up being a deal breaker, I mean, I understand it. It's just, I, I would just, it's easier for us to sit here and say that we'd be willing to deal with it than it is, you know, for the team cutting the checks. So, right. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be fascinating, you know, as far as you start looking at alternatives. You know, I text you about this the other day and I, I see mm-hmm. fans talking about George Springer. Yeah. And I know Vegas odds makers link the bracelet, but from what we know of this team, I don't really see that just because. I mean, we're talking about what probably a five-year deal.
0: I would imagine, yeah. So,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's fun to think about. It would certainly, you know, be a great addition. But I mean, realistically, with the way that this team has operated, it would come out of left field for them to do something like that. And there's and there's other guys. I mean, you can go through platoons and and however you want to do it, but. Losing Marcelo Zuna is going to be tough to replace
0: that. I almost feel like you have to get a right-handed bat that you're going to put there with Freddie Freeman, whether that's batting third or, or batting fourth. And if Freeman slides back into the third spot, I don't know how they're going to make up the lineup, but I can tell you this. I certainly enjoyed the way the Braves lineup looked with Freddie Freeman hitting behind Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm sure the Braves liked it a lot as well. I mean These are all things that you know are, are worth evaluating as you look forward and consider what moves that you may make that may allow you to think about things a little bit differently. But uh, Ozuna, to use the phrase we used earlier, he checked a lot of boxes this year and far exceeded the Braves' wildest expectations of what he could be offensively. And even if you look at him as a 275 to 285 hitter with 30 to 35 home runs and you know drives in 100 runs in a normal season, that's still great production regardless of whether or not he's flirting with a triple crown. If you can get that year over year, I think you take that. And at the age of 30... I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for a Marcelo Zuna. Springer's a bit of a different case. I mean, his skill set is a bit different. You're certainly not worried about him defensively whatsoever. Uh, But I feel like there's going to be other clubs out there that are going to be interested in his services and that the bidding war for Springer is probably going to be a little bit more competitive than perhaps the bidding war for Ozuna and more so than whether or not one feels pursued more than the other. I think Springer's going to end up taking home the bigger deal than Marcelo Zuna does because somebody's going to be willing to go over the top to get that one done.
1: I agree. That's why I, I don't – I mean, I wouldn't doubt if you wound up hearing, you know, the Braves have talked about this or, you know, called and th- those kind of rumors and everything, but, I mean, realistically, it's just he has a lot of suitors. He's going to have a really strong market, and this team – History tells us they're just not going to be involved in that. Now, that could surprise us. You can never rule that out. I mean, no one really saw the the Will Smith deal coming. So that could surprise us. But if they wind up letting Ozuna go, Alex and his crew, I mean, everything is so much about value and and getting guys that they can get the most out of. And we've seen it with these one-year deals. I mean, heck, we saw it with Donaldson and Ozuna back-to-back years. And it just feels like if you wind up – you know, maybe there's a trade out there to be made. Yeah, but if you let Ozuna go, it, it's hard to see it being for another like hefty multi-year deal to a guy.
0: Yeah, and again, with the Freddie Freeman extension in the background of all of this, I, I do feel like a giant free agent deal that Springer I think is likely to get from somewhere. And by giant deal, I don't mean just oh well, it's going to be a hundred plus million dollars. That's pretty likely in this case. We haven't seen anybody really break out the big money yet this offseason but there are a couple of players out there that that big money is in play for and Springer I think is at the top of that list and at 31 years old he's in a pretty good place to command a four or five maybe longer deal and maybe it's making that fifth or sixth year guaranteed that's what gets it done with George Springer as well but a salary of you know 27 28 million dollars per year seems to be I think this is probably going to be the average annual value of a contract like that as well but again that's just kind of speculating and and trying to put the dots together his final year in houston he was slated to make 21 million of course it ended up being prorated down but as he heads into free agency he's going to be looking for both that raise and the number of years that he would like to have to have the stability that comes with his first foray into free agency this is his opportunity to sign his big money contract and i think he's going to get one of those so uh, george springer aside marcelo zuna aside as you look across the possibilities for the Braves I know we float this every offseason and I think we touched on it a couple of weeks ago on the last episode Chris Bryant's name came up a lot there was some discussion as to whether or not the Cubs would tender him a contract I felt like that was crazy talk to think about letting him go for nothing but if you look at Chris Bryant and you're any club that's out there trying to figure it out or if you're just the Cubs trying to determine what you can get in 2021 this is a big year for Chris Bryant in his overall career to get himself back on track with just one year between himself and free agency. And, of course, for clubs like the Braves or any club looking to buy low on somebody that could really exceed their expectations. Chris Bryant's name, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing that a lot this winter. What do you think?
1: You and I have kind of talked about this some off the air, too. But he does fit the mold of a one-year kind of, you know, rehabbing his value that the Braves clearly like, right? So Mm -hmm. he does check that box. So you do have that. (laughs) You know – are you moving Riley from third again here? I'm not really thrilled with the prospect of moving Riley from third base again.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Um, Do you think about putting Chris Bryant in the outfield and letting him be the one that plays out there the majority of the time?
1: Yeah, you can put him in left, and it's not going to be very good defensively, but it's not going to be with Ozuna either. And keep in mind, I mean, there is a you could have the DH and – not have Marcelo Zuna. So, right. th- yeah, so there's certainly scenarios that it does make sense. And, yeah, you could put him in the outfield. I don't like the idea of moving Riley from third. So if I'm acquiring mm-hmm. Chris Bryant, he would be designated hitter left field, you know, pl- maybe playing some third if Riley, you know, obviously if he's hurt or needs a day off or something. I mean, generally, I just I would like to see Riley just continue developing at third. But, yeah it's worth talking about. It it makes sense. It's, I think he's, what is he at? Like 19 million this year.
0: I want to say, yeah, that's probably going to be a number for him.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty expensive deal, but it is one year. And and we know that this team is willing to, I mean, that's a tick higher than what they gave Osuna last year. So, Honestly, uh, given where the Cubs are, assuming that they are going to move him, and it, you know we thought for a moment last winter they were going to, and now this one it looks like they actually might. Mm-hmm. It does make sense, so it's something that I wouldn't be as excited about it. You know, if, if it was a few years ago, obviously, but sure, sure. Uh, he he does kind of fit the mold of a guy who maybe that they'll they'll consider as consider as a stopgap who can rehab his value and then probably get a bigger deal elsewhere next next winter. But he would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is worth talking
0: about. Well, and just looking at the game logs, I, I wanted to see what the split was for how much outfield he was playing with the Cubs. He played more back in 2016, and obviously he could start a game at third base, move to left field, or he could start in left field, move to third base. You have that versatility. I think that clubs are going to like that. A team like the Braves certainly would. He only played a handful of games, four games, in the outfield in 2020. But when you look at it overall, you know Bryant's injury limited him to just 34 games this year. And you have to take into account the fact that, look, you can't say that this injury is not going to hamper him or continue to hamper him in 2021. So it's kind of a buyer beware thing. The upside is tantalizing because he's a former MVP, which is why I thought that non-tendering him just three, four years later, four years later, I guess, was kind of a a crazy idea or concept that's being floated out there. I mean, how could the Cubs be that cash strapped that they don't even want to take a chance to figure out what they could have in Chris Bryant? And I found it kind of ironic as well as we looked at all of this. Remember when Chris Bryant's career started, the big thing was that his service time had been manipulated to get that one more year of control and how crazy would it have been to see the Cubs say, well, eh, we don't really want that year. We're going to go ahead and cut our ties and move on and figure that mm-hmm. out. I, I just felt like that would have been just an ultimate crazy twist in what's been a, an interesting odyssey for Chris Bryant in Chicago. He's been a star level player. He's won an MVP. He helped them win that World Series, but and after 2016, things have not gone the way that the Cubs had, had drawn up, I think, at that time.
1: Look, he's a former MVP, and he's going to be in a walk year. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be his chance to earn a, a really nice contract. You know, he hasn't reached that MVP-level production again, but yeah. we've seen with the Braves, we've seen the way that this team, this, the culture, the, mm-hmm. the coaches, the front office, the way that they extract the most out of people – When you think of it from that standpoint, if you consider Bryant a fit for what you're doing, I mean, that has to be tantalizing for both sides, right?
0: Because
1: Bryant could come in here and he's already seen back-to-back years these guys on one-year deals, and they wind up earning, you know, you assume that Ozuna will be earning a nice multi-year deal this winter. So it's got to be really appealing to him. Uh, The opportunity, you're going to be putting two MVPs in your lineup. So there's a lot of risk to mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. th- there's no doubt there's definitely a lot of risk to it. It would be a kind of a high risk, high reward, but it depends on what you're giving up in way of prospects and, Again, it would be a one-year deal. So even if things didn't work out completely, I mean, you gambled for the third year in a row on mm-hmm. a one-year deal, and you know you finally missed. So, but certainly if Fozuna goes, that that's going to be one of the top guys worth worth discussing.
0: Yeah, Chris Bryant would be going into his age twenty-nine season in twenty twenty-one. So it's not like you're taking a gamble on somebody that is. You know, well beyond even the point where Josh Donaldson was when he signed with the Braves at what, yeah. 33, 34 years old, you know, coming off a season or a couple of seasons in which injuries were keeping him off the field for lengthy periods of time as well. So it's out there. I, I figured we'd throw it in there. I knew at some point this offseason we were going to talk about Chris Bryant, unless uh, or until the Cubs made their final decision on whether or not, you know, they were going to not just tender him a contract. I, to me, that was just kind of a, a funny thread that was going around that if that's really the thinking, that is wow i I would really have a lot to say about that had that ended up being the case but being as they are going to you know offer him his contract and figure out whatever they have to with where he may go from here it's just worth discussing and i think his name is going to be discussed for quite a few teams so we'll see how that all plays out but uh long story short that's just a little bit of a snippet a snapshot if you will of what's going on as far as you know what the braves needs are what the candidates are and then of course some of the things that they'd very much like to have the answer to as in are you going to have a DH in the National League in 2021? That's a question I think we all want to have answered sooner than later. So that aside, let's close with this. How about the bullpen? I like what the Braves were able to do over the last year and a half, beginning at the trade deadline in 2019, to bring over Shane Green and Mark Melanson and Chris Martin. Great moves. I think that those guys once again helped out in 2020 to get the Braves into the postseason and have success there. But with Green a free agent, with Melanson a free agent, and then with a the non-tender deadline passing this week and seeing who else might be put out onto the market, there was an intriguing name that popped up on my radar, and I'm sure uh, the radar of quite a few GMs, I would imagine, across baseball. Archie Bradley, who the Reds traded for at the deadline to bring over to their club in 2020. Pitched pretty well for him. Not a lot of innings, but pitched well enough and was closing some games out in Arizona. It's been a pretty good reliever for the past few years. And the Reds didn't want to, I guess, go the route of giving him what he might have gotten in arbitration. And I think that the free agent market for relievers might be one that you're going to see a lot of guys out there have to take less than they would like to. But Gabe, what do you think about what the Braves might need in the bullpen? They seem to be stacked up pretty well as far as some talent, but a lot of left-handed talent. I think they've got to get another right-handed arm, if not a couple, that can really help them out in the... Latter innings, I'll say that, regardless of who's closing, but in the latter innings to get those big outs for the Braves to turn those leads into wins.
1: Yeah, i definitely say they need a couple righties. You know, MLB Trade Rumors projections had Mark Melanson, like, really low. I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was $4 million, Mm -hmm. Um, something that low. Uh, You know, a guy like Archie Bradley. There are guys out there. There's a lot of relievers on the market right now, and I would imagine it's going to take a while for a lot of these guys to sign. It's going to be a slow-moving market for them. Uh, So there should be actually some pretty good value here, which means the Braves are probably not going to be making the move until sometime in January, right? Probably mid to late January. So there's going to be value knowing how the Braves operate they're going to identify a few of the guys they like and just kind of figure out where they are with them. And then I still think that Melanson will be back. I agree. Yeah, I still think he'll be back, and I think that would be huge to get him back. So if you're able to get a guy like Melanson along with, you know, I don't know if you'll keep Shane Green or bring in a guy like Bradley or bring in just somebody else, I think this bullpen will be perfectly fine if you Mm. can keep Melanson and bring in one more guy who's kind of in that mold. I mean, obviously those are three really good relievers we're talking about, but when you look at the way that the Braves bullpen is shaping up right now, you have Will Smith, Chris Martin, A.J. Mentor, Tyler Matzek, and then you have Josh Tomlin, Right. who the team resigns? signed So that's five spots that you assume if those guys are healthy, they're going to be in this bullpen. So I think once you look at that group, you add in Melanson, you add in, you know, a Green or a Bradley, somebody like that, and then you have potentially another spot that you, you know, see what you want to do there. But yeah, that would definitely be the best way to go. So, yeah, I mean, two right-handers would make sense.
0: Yeah, it definitely would. And, and when I look talent-wise at what the Braves have going on out there, and you gave a, a just a good list of the probably five most talented relievers that you would expect to have a spot, maybe you throw Luke Jackson in the mix. He's going to have a good spring training, though, I think, to kind of allay some of the fears that come out of what was a really bad 2020 season for him. It just flat out wasn't good. wasn't a good follow-up to some of the great work that he'd done in 2019 to help the Braves when they really had no one else to turn to and that was a great story at the time but right now I think the Braves are looking for the best production that they can get and that's why Luke Jackson's gonna have to come to spring training on a on a non-guaranteed deal and fight for a spot in that bullpen but I think the three best relievers that the Braves have Will Smith, A.J. Minter, and Chris Martin two of those three are lefties throwing what Matzek did now that's three out of the four are left-handed and you go on down the list of just what I think Melanson and Green meant to the Braves bullpen and having that, you know, six, seven guys that you really could count on to come out and perform out of that bullpen over the course of 162, you're going to need all the depth you can get because that's going to be a lot different than the 60-game sprint to get into the playoffs as it was in 2020, or at least we hope so, that this was kind of a one-time event with the shortened season. And I don't think any exec is going out there and not planning for, hey, how long are we going to be doing this? Probably 162, at least that's the normal thing, and going into their offseason that way. I think they'd be doing themselves an incredible disservice if they weren't planning for, you know, air quotes, the long haul again.
1: Yeah, and having so many guys who can close games, too. I mean, Melanson was their primary guy. But even now, you know, if Mentor is kind of what he showed you last season, I yeah. mean, he's an option to close games as a Definitely. lefty. I mean, Shane Green could close games. R.Q. Bradley could close games, the guys that we just talked about. That's what you need as a good team, right? Yeah. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, even it wound up not hurting them, but the Dodgers with Kenley Jansen, you know, we we talked a little about that before that playoff series. Yeah. I mean, you want to be in a situation where you have several guys who can get the job done. And and the Braves right now, and we mentioned this earlier uh, off air, but you really your worst-case scenario right now is that Will Smith is closing games for you. Mm -hmm. They've certainly heightened the floor of this bullpen in the last season, to say the least.
0: No doubt. When you think about where they were on opening day of 2019 and where they have ended up on what would be coming up on opening day of 2021, if all goes according to plan, the Braves have done – And Alex Anthopoulos has done a tremendous job of strengthening what was a huge weakness for this club. It just was not where it needed to be. And everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in the bullpen in 2019, much like many things that could go wrong in the starting rotation seemed to go wrong in 2020. So there's going to be something that's going to come up that the Braves are going to have to address. They're going to have to either make that move or give the ball to somebody and challenge them to step up and and perform. And hopefully, guys are going to be up to the task of doing that. But. Having that talent, having that depth, that's something that served the Braves very well the last couple of years, and I'm sure they'll be tested again in 2021. So, Gabe, I appreciate all your time. We covered a lot of stuff there. Some of it, uh, you know, just conjecture and and what we do here on the hot stove, but I enjoyed it quite a bit, and hopefully the Braves will continue their winter shopping and get some more things done, and it's going to be weird not to have the winter meetings. i got to be honest with you. It's kind of strange to go into December and think, well, where are they going to be this year? Oh, yeah, they'll be virtual, so... It is what it is, but, um, yeah, that's going to be something I think I'm going to miss quite a bit and maybe more than I thought I was before the month of December got here.
1: Yeah, I would have been heading to Dallas on Sunday, so right back to Texas again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it would have been cool, but thanks for having me, Grant. Uh, Next time I'm on, I'm sure they'll have done something else and and give us more material to talk about.
0: Well, I look forward to it, and uh, we will... Reconvene very soon and discuss the latest goings on with the Braves and, of course, the stories across Major League Baseball. He is Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Make sure you're following his work on Twitter at Gabe Burns AJC. Gabe, appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you soon. Sure thing. That'll wrap us up for this episode of the show. As always, I appreciate Gabe Burns making the time to join us to talk about all these Braves topics, and I appreciate you making time to listen to From the Diamond as well. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. Be sure to share it with a friend as well. Over on social media, follow along on Twitter at FromTheDiamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley. Again, Gabe Burns is at Gabe Burns AJC On Instagram, at FromTheDiamond. I am at Grant McCauley there as well. You can find every episode of the show and so much more at FromTheDiamond.com. That'll wrap us up for this episode of From The Diamond. Again, thanks for joining us. For Gabe Burns, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. So long, everyone.